This is Ken Forster, Executive Director of Momentum. Welcome to our Digital Industry Leadership Podcast, produced by, for, and about digital industry leaders. In this series of conversations, we capture insights from the best and brightest minds in digital industry. They're executives, entrepreneurs, advisors, and other thought leaders. What they have in common is like our team at Momentum, they are deep industry practitioners. We hope you find these podcasts informative as always. We welcome your comments and suggestions. Good day and welcome to edition 130 of our Digital Industry Leadership Series. I'm really pleased today to host Mahesh Sudhakaran, the Chief Digital Officer for IBM's Energy, Environment, and Utilities Industry Business. Mahesh has over 18 years with IBM and Schneider Electric and is a recognized thought leader in the energy and utilities, industrial, and industry 4.0 space. He is a frequent speaker in global industry forums on AI and IoT. In 2020, he was elected to the IBM Industry Academy, an elite cohort of preeminent technology leaders. Mahesh has a BS in electrical engineering from the National Institute of Technology and an MBA from the University of Cambridge. He is a global shaper and has lived in seven countries and loves the milieu of technology, culture, and business. Mahesh, welcome to our Digital Industry Leadership Podcast. Thank you, Ken, for the opportunity to come and share my perspectives on sustainable energy transition and doing digital transformation at scale. These are topics I'm extremely fond about and would love to share what we're doing in this space. Excellent. And I'm looking forward to the conversation. So let's go back and talk about your own digital industry leadership journey. What would you consider to be the red thread through this journey? So. Ken, I've had the good fortune of being in both the uh, on the IT side and the OT side equally for the past 18 years. And also the fact is I've done this across seven countries. This fundamentally shapes my thinking. Nothing motivates me uh, more than the opportunity presented by change and getting things done. So my career has a common thread. It's all about conceptualizing, commercializing, and scaling technologies, not just the exponential technologies that we commonly talk about, such as AI or hybrid cloud, but it's also about foundational industry systems like circuit breakers, relay protection, new generation scale-up. So the, the entire uh, activities of trying to get these things to market, getting them to scale, getting them to adoption, is something that I have enjoyed thoroughly, and trying to do this globally has helped me shape some of my perspectives. Now, you had a start in OT, as you said, and uh, really at the forefront of energy and industrial, uh, working with Schneider Electric as a sales leader. What first attracted you to this space? Oh, absolutely, Ken. For me, for me, this journey started when uh, I started my electrical engineering degree in my undergrad. Uh, and at, at that time, that was the time, probably it was like very early 2000s, when clean tech 1.0 was taking off, right? So. So that started my passion for clean energy. So this was the time when solar and wind were at its infancy. And, and we, were, we were talking about how we get this to commercial scale and how this is going to lead to what is now known as energy transition. So and I always wanted to work in space. And I'm also uh, attracted to the business side of things. Uh, so I got a combination of trying to combine these two passions of mine when I got an opportunity to work for Schneider Electric. And one of the common traits I've always had in my career so far is to always work on topics that in one way or the other improves people's lives. And there's no better place to do that uh, than trying to get the world uh, use more clean energy, right? 
And I've been in the space ever since, and I've enjoyed my time here. And I've enjoyed my time working on both the operational side of things and the technology side of things. So it's an interesting combination. It is, and I, I love the fact that you kind of took a, a step up, at least in the in the conceptual uh, technology stack, when you moved to IBM, where you led strategy for IBM Cognitive Systems and IBM Analytics. I'll call it creating the juggernaut we know as uh, as Watson. How did your industry background prepare you for this role and, and really inspire your perspectives in it? So, Ken, whenever we talk uh, industry and technology, especially in technology companies, we always end up in a what I call a horizontal platform or a technology stack conversation uh, versus a vertical industry-specific use case conversation. And this debate is something that's been going on for a while. The right answer is not one or the other. The right answer is a combination of the two. Because end of the day, it's all of these are enablers to deliver value for our clients. So when I started off with IBM uh, in, in, in the early uh, 2011, 2012 frame frame, that is when AI was actually uh, taking off at commercial scale. Right, that's when I, IBM introduced Watson uh, to the world, and the promise of Watson was presented. For the past nine to ten years, we, uh, we as IBM have been working on realizing uh, the promise of Watson in multiple dimensions, and then now we have gotten to places where an AI is at production. So one of the, the differences, or what I say, the the capabilities I brought into the discussion was moving the conversation from tools to solutions for our, for industrial clients, and then taking the solution and making them into products. And I've been part of two foundational journeys. One is creating the asset performance management product inside of IBM, and also a whole suite of uh, uh, capabilities around geospatial. But one thing I've realized, and I also, this is something a collaboration with my, with my teams is, AI is a cross-functional team sport. AI is not a thing. Right, so and I always use this word that AI is not magic. AI is about foundations, right? You need to have foundational capabilities to collect data, have an architecture to consume and analyze the data, and finally, AI needs to be applied in the industry or a use case context for it to be effective, right? So, so this is what I bring into the picture because AI is a piece of technology. But AI has to be applied in context for AI to scale. So that is how you move from what I call uh, random acts of uh, AI in different parts of the enterprise to a value conversation. And this is also something that I'm seeing is scaling because as AI has evolved with the evolution of additional adjacent technologies such as 5G, Edge, uh, AI is getting more and more into production now. And this is something very promising and I'm excited to be in this space. And probably describes why in 2018 you became chief digital officer for IBM's energy, environment, and utilities, having a, a foot in, I'll call it the IT world, the OT world, the solutions and the platforms and tools, as you said. So tell us a little bit about your mandate there as chief digital officer at IBM. So, uh, so chief digital officer at IBM uh, is, is something that I started in uh, 2018. And um, I had an opportunity to uh, take up this role because we, we, we as IBM, we're going through a fundamental transformation. And at this time, also our clients, which is primarily electric, water, and gas utilities, were also going through a fundamental trans uh, transformation. The pace of adoption of exponential technologies was changing. Uh, so there was, a, there was a role for IBM to play. And also there's a role for IBM to transform itself 
to be a provider in this space. So my dimension from a chief digital officer perspective had two dimensions. One was the how do I influence a client's business so that they can transform and move from what, what I said was random acts of AI or random acts of exponential technology or random acts of digital transformation to a more programmatic digital transformation method, right? By identifying value pools and also taking advantage of the sense of urgency that was being present at that point in time. So I was involved very closely on, on helping uh, utility clients around the world manage the how, when, and where of uh, digital transformation, and finally getting value out of this. And this is something that uh, I've been doing for the past three years, and we have had some very good success here. And I said the second part of my role was all about helping IBM position itself uh, to, uh, to serve our clients better, right? Because utilities are asset heavy, they're engineering centric, they're regulated, they have a huge focus on security. So how do we convene our systems, uh, our solutions, and most importantly, ecosystems enabled by exponential technologies so that we have a value conversation and not just a technology conversation? In the meanwhile, we were also building products for the utility industry. We are one of the few technology firms who actually have an industry-specific solution portfolio. So I'm also involved in leading that part of the portfolio and ensure it's delivered uh, using what I call the new ways of working, uh, especially from a digital footprint standpoint. So these are the two dimensions that my role encompasses. I'm, I'm, I'm more than happy to report in three years, one, one thing that I've been fascinated by is how utilities are adopting uh, digital transformation at scale. And, and they're also seeing value being derived. So now the value pools are moving from the traditional front-end systems or the customer systems, and they're moving to more operational systems. And that is something that I'm very fascinated by. Several months ago, we featured Guido Jure, who was chief digital officer at ABV at the time. He's been a, a constant contributor during our, our, our podcast. And I was fascinated by his own story about, you know, his role within ABB and, and the role he played. The difference I see is you're in a digital organization. So how does a chief digital officer in a digital organization differ from one like Guido, who's in a, you know, a CapEx OEM company? Absolutely, Ken. Uh, the chief digital officer role is something that emerged four or five years back. And uh, the emergence of the role was an indication, uh, both externally and internally, uh, to show that the companies are interested in change. So there's an urgency of change. The role evolved in two dimensions. So there were chief digital officers, uh, such as myself, who were part of technology companies, uh, whose role was to not only transform our clients, in my case, electric, water, and gas utilities, but also transform how we approach our clients. So it, 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 was, it was across two dimensions. The role that Guido was, uh, and which is also a very interesting role, is wherein he was, he was responsible for transforming ABB and moving ABB from an industrial conglomerate to an industrial and digital conglomerate, right? So the, in, for him, the client was ABB, and his, his role was primarily around defining strategy and executing uh, for ABB to become a digital enterprise. And his big chunk of the role would have been around defining new ways of working and also defining how products are delivered digitally. So in, I think the difference between the two is in terms of focus and depth, my focus is more broad across the clients and also across the IBM businesses. Guido's role is more uh, deeper on one topic, which is ABB. 
You know, I, I like that description because you really have a, a unique perspective across a number of companies, both the IBM companies and, of course, your, your clients as well, your utility clients especially. So let me step back and maybe ask a couple questions I asked of him, but looking for that broader perspective. You know, when you look at, let's say, your client companies or, or the IBM companies, how do you know if a business is truly ready to take on a digital transformation? I, what are the indicators you're looking for? Absolutely. But before, uh, Ken, before I get to the indicators, right, I want to like define what I mean by digital transformation, uh, because digital transformation means a lot of things to a lot of people. So I want to be clear what it means in my context. For me, digital transformation is a value conversation and it's about agility. And the value is a, is a, is a, is a conversation either about creating new revenue streams or taking cost out. And the agility conversation is all about innovating faster, understanding your client requirements faster, or responding uh, to, to threats or market opportunities faster. So these are the dimensions I define digital transformation. And when I look at companies uh, who, are in, uh, who are interested in uh, doing digital transformation, the first thing I look at is, is this a top-down agenda? Because digital uh, transformation is a, it's not a sideshow. It is a big tent conversation. It has to be an organizational focus right from the board of directors to the CEO. So that is the first thing I look at. The second thing I look at is, are they talking about digital transformation across the enterprise, or, or have they identified value pools wherein they want to, uh, first thing, uh, do what I call the first sprint of digital transformation. So if, in case of utilities, for example, there are multiple value pools you can target around customer, around asset, around enterprise operations. Have you picked a value pool? And after you've picked a value pool, are you thinking about creating some organizational change? Normally, it starts off with appointing, say, a chief digital officer or someone senior in the organization who's going to be a sponsor for those activities. So the, those are the initial things I look for for companies while they're starting to look at uh, digital transformation. As you go through, the next important thing I look at is, do you, do you have additional skill sets they plan to hire? And the most important thing, digital transformation is what I call a cultural change on how you talk about the business. This is this is a new way to work. Uh, is the organization starting to think about this dimension, which is an important one? When I see an organization start to talk and message about these di uh, dimensions, I know uh, that the organization is ready to start this conversation. Digital transformation does not happen overnight. Uh, I, I would uh, consider uh, initiatives that are successful normally happen over a period of 12 to 24 months wherein you can get to a tangible value that is repeatable. And once you get to that level of success, you can use that success as an exemplar to roll out digital transformation in other parts of the organization. So it's always better if you're starting with a program where you're able to show success or learnings and then use that as an example to roll it out organization-wide. When I see these dimensions, uh, I understand that an organization is ready for digital transformation. Typically, a first step along the way is some form of benchmarking, traditionally, you know, either internal or, or external, uh, to create, in many cases, a, a burning platform many times, right? To get that organizational or that's a top-down, if you will, uh, big show mentality in terms of backing this. You know, to, to what degree sh do you believe organizations should benchmark themselves? And, and what are some best practices there, especially those that are operating in, in pretty tight industry segments? 
Right. Can in this case, right, offer this particular dimension, um, uh, I have a bit of a different view, and, I, and I'll tell you why. Because most of the time, when we look at digital transformation uh, across the industrials, or for example, any asset heavy industry, we end up looking at industries that are adjacent, uh, or else we look at new startups and new competition that's emerging in that space. Right, and we try to look at how do we, uh, uh, what I say, emulate some of the dimensions that these new entrants or adjacencies are demonstrating, and how do we use that, especially on the customer side, or especially your interaction with your customer and those customer journeys. How do you influence those? And a lot of the time, digital transformation is focused on those dimensions. I feel industrials uh, and also correspondingly their clients' utilities are going through a fundamental change right now. And I think the biggest form of disruption or best practice I see is the emergence of open source in the industrial world. And this and the emergence of open source is going to fundamentally change how this industry operates. And when I look at this, the, the closest parallel that I can see is what has happened uh, with telcos over the past decade, right? Especially the, uh, the movement from proprietary solutions in the telco industry to more open source and software-defined solutions uh, that have emerged. So if you look at telcos, for example, we're dominated by large vendors such as Ericsson, Nokia, and the Huawei's of the world. Uh, and now, uh, with the emergence of 5G and Edge, the entire industry has shifted to an open source model around software-defined network function virtualization, which has, which has changed the dynamics of the industry. This industry has moved from what I call the physical uh, network, which was, which was the telephone, to a wireless network, and now to a completely data-driven network. And all of this was possible given the agility that software-defined provided. Right. And I see the same trend starting to happen in the large industrial side of the world, especially with Industry 4.0, and also in the large utilities, which, which are still um, serviced by large, um, uh, I would call them proprietary vendors, such as ABB, Siemens, and Schneider, who have their own stacks. And I see them emerging, uh, emerging and also uh, emulating some of those open source characteristics. But I think uh, this has to accelerate. Because right now, as we get to energy transition and the benefits of energy transition, interoperability and orchestration are going to be key. And these foundational systems coming from industrials will has a, have a pivotal role to play, especially from a scalability, flexibility, and innovation standpoint. Because the data that resides in these systems has to be unlocked to create ecosystems that matter. Part of that unlocking, uh, you uh, you know, you take what was the air gap between uh, many times OT systems and IT systems, and 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 and, and bridge that. And of course, you know, most recently there's been uh, you know challenges with what TeamViewer in the Florida uh, utility, and uh, and of course we you know we're still suffering a little bit from Solar Winds hack and all. Yeah. I, no doubt the industry needs to move in the direction that you advocate, and we see the same thing. But that number one fear that's usually listed for not making that jump is is uh, you know is, is is OT security. How how do you how do you balance that? How do you uh, move at an acceptable pace to make sure that you're you're contemplating and addressing the risk? Absolutely, great question, Ken. So for me, all of these are are, are, are what I call uh, there are two words I tend to use. It's 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 a balance, uh, and also the second uh, uh, topic we need to look at is architecture. 
right? Because right now, what we are, uh, what is happening in the OT space is uh, we are trying to fit some of the legacy technologies uh, into the new open source world, right? If we have to get to doing this at scale, we have to fundamentally re-architect, re and change how we deploy and manage uh, some of these estates. We also need to start looking at how interoperability and the innovation around interoperability is looked at differently. Because as more people come into the ecosystem and more people are innovating on this ecosystem, some of the challenges uh, would be uh, unlocked and, and could also be fixed. And I am and I, of the belief that in any uh, industry which has opened itself to an ecosystem of participants, it has, it has also become more secure. And this is true with what's happening in uh, in financial services. It's true with what's happening in telco. And I see that uh, slowly extending to the industrial world. Having said that, there's a long way to go uh, because uh, there are fundamental dimensions that we need to look at because some of these industries are essential industries and they have a lot of legacy to overcome. So this has to be done in a planned and phased manner. The second aspect also is some of these are highly regulated industries. So there's a, there's, a, there's a dimension of policy and regulation that also needs to be looked at. And uh, speaking of essential industries, um, you know, again, most recently, you know, we've just come off of the cold snap in, in Texas and, of course, the challenges they had with energy. And so, uh, as, as they say uh, with uh, with uh, the utilities, um, you know, people only notice you when you're not there. <laughs> yeah. And unfortunately and sadly, there were a lot of people who went without heat there for a couple of weeks. Um you know, when I look at the challenges associated with the the infrastructure right now, at least uh, you know when you, when you look at that specific circumstance, um, what do you see as some of the key drivers and opportunities for what I'll call the energy transformation or transition in the in the next five years, including you know kind of the the, the baseline of what we just experienced in Texas. Absolutely, Ken. So for me, for me, I'm like it's, it's a great time to be in the what I call the energy industry uh, today because this is one of the industries that's going to underpin how the world moves towards a more sustainable way of doing things. So this is going to be the next platform for realizing sustainability. And let me explain how. Right, there are two fundamental truths when you look at what's happening around us. Right, the first truth is renewable energy is hitting price parity. The second uh, truth that's happening is more and more things around us are electrifying, right? You can already see that what's happening with electric vehicle fleets, and we see buildings electrifying, and now slowly certain aspects of industry is also electrifying. Now, if these two themes are able to come together, wherein renewable energy is supplying this increased electrification, we see the entire value chain uh, becomes more sustainable. And this is one of the ways what I call is is called practical sustainability. And this is one of the ways we can achieve this goal. Having said that, there are, there are opportunities uh, that we need to look at because some of these things are change the way how the network is built and the, how the network is managed. And I, I always talk about them in four dimensions. Like you said, uh, people don't realize their utilities unless there is a problem. And that is the reason why the number one opportunity is network resilience and operational excellence. A utility is what I call an infrastructure of infrastructures, meaning without electricity, you have no water, gas, or any other communication, right? It is, it's, it is that essential. And utilities have a social contract of providing uninterrupted power in a safe, reliable, and most importantly, an affordable manner. 
with, with climate risk, utilities need to adapt. And all of these present opportunities uh, for the, the utility and also the adjacent uh, industries to ensure network resilience and operational excellence is always paramount because any amount of change, electricity needs to be delivered. The second aspect that I see is happening is, is renewable energy integration, just like I said. Renewable energy needs to be integrated uh, in a much more seamless fashion. And we already talk about uh, the, the both energy and energy services being more bidirectional in nature. But we need to find out better ways of integrating renewable energy at scale. And also ensuring while we're doing that, we are, trying, we are making the energy system stable. And this, and this is where a lot of new uh, technologies and science needs to be developed. Uh, and it's a great opportunity. The third dimension that, uh, that I think is important is industrial electri electrification itself. Because everyone knows that uh, as you move from fossil to more renewable source of energy uh, and using electricity as a, uh, as a source is, is a more cost-optimized way of, of fueling some of these workloads. And this is, going to, uh, this is going to accelerate starting from low heat to medium heat to high heat. And we already see some industries doing what I call the fuel switch already. Transportation, residential and commercial building are good examples. I think this, uh, this aspect also provides a lot of opportunity because new industries need to electrify. Uh, this electrification needs to be managed. And that presents an opportunity for, a, for an ecosystem to emerge to do it. And finally, the last point I think is what I call the, the, the dimension of energy integrators. How do I define this, right? We see more and more non-utility owned, uh, owned uh, and also operated assets coming into the grid. And this is happening exponentially. This is both happening on the generation side and also uh, on, on the distribution side and also on the side of retail. So the utility network is moving from a linear network starting from generation, transmission, distribution to final retail. It is moving to an ecosystem on both ends. Now the utility needs to move from being managed to being orchestrated. Unlike other industries, you still need wires and cables to transmit electricity, right? So utilities have an opportunity to be the next big platform uh, to drive energy transition. And this opportunity is what I call the energy integration opportunity. And I think this is a place where in uh, exponential technologies such as AI, blockchain, 5G, Edge, and also hybrid cloud have an essential role to play because the only way to manage uh, such a complex ecosystem is to have a common platform which acts as a control plane. And this presents an opportunity both for utilities and for new participants who are going to, who are going to look like utilities. You know, we've uh, we've opined in the past that the decentralization of energy, as you you well established a few minutes ago, and is is in some ways a precursor for other industries like manufacturing, as an example, or transportation. That you, this idea of moving from managed to orchestrated, I think, is a, is a brilliant concept in that regard. If if I'm sitting in a utility today. I, how do I get that inspiration or that that exposure to some of the new technologies? Like you mentioned, blockchain, hybrid cloud, et cetera. I guess I said another way, how, how do I leverage the innovation ecosystems both both maybe you know inside my companies but around my companies adjacent as well? Absolutely, Ken. And Ken, and this is something that utilities around the world are already doing, right? I, I think I, I think um, 
the one of the places where I'm seeing this happen at scale is already in, in Europe, especially the Nordics, uh, where a lot of these foundational technologies are being applied. So we work very closely uh, with all the transmission system operators in Europe, especially around a project called Equigy, where in Swiss, Great, Turner, and Tenet are coming together to create an ecosystem uh, for flexibility trading. On, so on one end, you have electric vehicles uh, who are contributing their flexibility to the grid, and then using blockchain, we're creating a market mechanism to settle all of this. Also in the city of Copenhagen, we're taking the platform further, where we're connecting buildings uh, to the same uh, platform and using blockchain as a settlement mechanism. One of the things that you see here is utility is the platform in between, and the different participants who are either what I say, providers of flexibility. This across this happens across buildings, uh, large consumers of energy, uh, some who are like supermarkets, uh, cold storage, and also in, in the case of Denmark, is is basically the dairy industry are all on one end as the ecosystem, and then on the other end you have an ecosystem of folks consuming this energy. And given that there is a market mechanism for all of this, it becomes a very efficient model. Because I feel that for some of these technologies to take off, it is not just the fact that these technologies exist. The, the business model is essential for these to be successful. In what I'm seeing is places wherein the business model promotes an ecosystem uh, that is financially incented to make this work is normally the model that works. And uh, I'm already seeing that in Europe. Uh, we're also seeing some of these things being all uh, starting to be applied in the United States with some of the leading edge utilities. Uh, one of the biggest challenges that I see here while these things get adopted uh, is, is there are fundamental ways in which uh, we have to think about architecture, right? Uh, because this, this, these are things where these are, these are technologies wherein you have to go much deeper to see how you use the data from different parts of your enterprise, you're able to get them onto a common platform because you're moving from management to orchestration. So you have to think about your data architectures differently. And that is something that the leading edge utilities are starting the trend and I'm sure uh, there are more and more participants who are gonna follow. You know, um, I have to imagine you study energy and you study architecture and you study pretty much all the dynamics of the industry, which must keep you pretty busy. But uh, as a, as a, a um, closing question, I always like to ask what books, people, and or resources inspire you? And let me specify non-energy. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> so Ken, great question, right? I'm like, for me, for me, uh, the books I read, I'm like more than books. It's, 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 it's like podcasts such as the ones that you have. It's basically podcasts and the people that I follow uh, that actually where I learn from. So one of the places that I, I am absolutely fascinated by is how to think better and especially thinking better using mental models. So uh, there is this fascinating person called Shane Parrish who, who runs the Farm, Farm and Street blog uh, that I that I am a, I'm a big proponent of. Uh, because it helps me think better. This also works off Charlie Munger's uh, uh, philosophy around mental models. So that, that's one dimension of things I, I, I like to read. The second dimension that I also like to read about is, is how to make my habits better. Uh, and basically by improving habits slowly. So James Clear, who has written a great book called Atomic Habits, is something that I do follow. All great recommendations, and uh, and appreciate the uh, the pitching of the uh, Momenta podcast in that as well. Mahesh, thank you for this really insightful interview today. 
Oh, thank you, Ken. Thank you, Ken, for the opportunity. I hope some of my perspectives will have resonated with the audience. And if, if folks have more questions, I'm more than happy for, for your listeners to reach out to me. Excellent. I appreciate that so much. And uh, it's interesting. This is one of those podcasts that I probably could launch another four or five themed podcasts off of, given the depth of material that you've uh, you've presented there. So this has been Mahesh Sudhakaran, the Chief Digital Officer for IBM's Energy, Environment, and Utilities industry business. And I'll call him Mr. Think Better. So that leaves us with a good slogan at the end. Thank you for listening, and please join us next week for the next episode of our Digital Industry Leadership Series. You've been listening to the Momenta Digital Industry Leadership Podcast, produced by, for, and about digital industry leaders. We hope you've enjoyed the discussion, and as always, we welcome your comments and suggestions. Please check our website at momenta.one for archived versions of podcasts and webinars, as well as resources to help with your digital industry journey. Thank you for listening.